right, here we are. Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to those looking in on the broadcast today, this video here, this, uh, this part of our service where we look into the Bible. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. We had been looking at the Gospels chronologically, and we haven't done 100% of that, but uh, right now we're going to go through Matthew. Uh, Matthew has a lot of information, and later on I think we jump over to John, I'm not sh sure. But we're in that week, uh, those days before the uh, crucifixion. And I mean, last, few, uh, last week we did the cross, and we did the resurrection, but now we've got to back up and look at some of the information, and some of the things that the Lord Jesus was doing through that time. And it is quite interesting, there's only a, a few days before he goes to the cross, and yet there's so much information. He talks to so many people and does so many things. So it's worth our, our while, of course, to study the Bible always and look at uh, what the Lord has been doing. Now what's going to take place here? We're going to go into chapter 21. And we want to look at verses 28 to 32 this morning and look at this little uh, uh, bit. And this is simply a continuance from uh, the last time we looked at this. Um, in, in the previous uh, uh, message there, the, the uh, uh, Pharisees and the scribes and all those religious leaders came and asked the Lord Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? Okay, And so that's not the end of it. Uh, verse 27 wasn't the end of it. Um, he asked them, he says, you know, uh, he says the baptism of John, was it from, uh, from heaven or of men? And they reasoned among themselves and they, they wouldn't say, and he says, well, uh, neither am I going to tell you by what authority I, I do this. Uh, um, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Now, it doesn't, as I, I said, it doesn't end there. And then he immediately says, but what think ye? So now he's turning around and he's going to ask them some questions. And he's going to bring something to them. Now, this is just like the Lord. We looked at another time about that, how he was interested. And he's interested in the souls of all people, isn't he? He's interested in all people. That if God is not willing that any should perish. God is willing that all should come to Christ and be saved. So that tells us that what Jesus Christ did on the, on the cross was enough for everybody. Amen? Yep. The Bible tells us that in, the, in those words exactly. And so he's going to uh, speak to these ones. So we're going to look at these few verses from 28 to 32 as he brings a parable to them, a parable for them to understand. Now the, the Bible tells us that the, uh, uh, um, the priests and the scribes and the elders and another portion says the Pharisees were there too. So a whole bunch of them were just gathered around there. They're kind of ganging up on the Lord Jesus. And he says, but what think ye? That ye is referring to them, of course. He's turning this around to them. He's going to bring them a parable to help them understand some things here, but also to show them the absolute folly of their ways. Okay? And sometimes that's necessary to show a person um, that what they're doing is of absolute, uh, uh, absolutely the wrong way and such and point them to the right way. But uh, uh, whether it helped these ones or not, we don't know. But you have to keep in mind that later on, not too long after this, uh, Peter and the apostles stood up in Acts uh, chapter 1 at Pentecost there, and uh, there was thousands of them got saved. Right? And maybe some of these characters were there. If we want to look at this. He says, but what think ye? 
one of the things we see in this as the Lord brings this out to them, He would get them to condemn themselves. He's going to use their, them to use their own words. For by thy words thou art uh, snared. How does it go? By thy words thou art justified, by thy words thou art condemned. Mm -hmm. um, by thy words thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. So we want to have a look at this. So we see in verse 28, what think, uh, think ye a certain, well the word certain is in uh, italics, a man had two sons. Now just a minute now, we just want to um, go on a little bit of a, a word study here. As you know, I like to study the words. I think it's very, very important for us to see what the words were that the Spirit of God gave to the writers originally, okay? And we have the word sons mentioned there two times. Um, in the original language, I can't pronounce it as huis or something like that is the word for son, but that's not there in the text. A different word is there. Technon means child. So Jesus was saying to them, he didn't say sons, he said child. Okay, when he was speaking to them. Now I wonder about that, and I think, okay, what's the difference in that? I wonder if saying that, that's a bit of a uh, rebuke to them, that's kind of an insult to them to be thought as children and the things that children do and such. But I just thought I'd throw that out there just to, to think about that for a bit. Um, sometimes the thing that, uh, sometimes when children do things well, grown-ups can be like big children anyways, aren't they? Uh, but a child is, uh, uh, if I use the word irresponsible, I don't mean to be, um, I'm not condemning or anything, but they don't take responsibility upon themselves much. They just kind of do things, eh? They do. Uh, their behaviors here, there, and uh, yeah, it's a, uh, a behavior that you can expect from a child. The Bible says when I, I was grown up, I put away childish things and such like that. But the, the religious leaders were as disobedient children, to say the very least, eh? To say the very least about that. Anyways, anyway, let's go on. And he, uh, this man had two sons, or children. Uh, and he came to the first and said, uh, Son, go work today in my vineyard. Okay? So, we see that... Um, he asked the one to go and work in the vineyard. And keep in mind, this is a child, but it could be a child that could refer to maybe 10, 11, 12 years old even, or even early teens or whatever. Um, I heard someone say one time, and I say it often, I don't think a person has uh, grown up until they learn how to clean up after themselves. <laughs> Anyways, um, but he said to this, to this child, he says, go and work today in my vineyard. All right? And uh, uh, the answer, of course, he answered and said, I will not. Now, one of the disadvantages we have here is that we do not know the attitude, so to speak, or what kind of inflections were in the voice and such. Was it, no, I'm not going to do that? Or was it something like, but Dad, I wanted to go fishing today. We don't know that. We just know that the child did not want to do this particular thing. Okay? But afterwards, he repents. And then he goes and does what his father asks. Okay? Um, I've got a note there, and I can't even read that. Who wrote that down? <laughs> Anyways. 
we look at ourselves and we look at and we have to take these things and, and apply them to ourselves as well. We see the uh, what the Lord was getting across there. But uh, some like their ease and will not work, and will not work for the Lord. Um, some like to live in the world and play therein. They do not love working for the Lord. The Lord asks them to do some particular thing. And that's what this parable is about, is the Father's representative of some higher authority, perhaps God, as he speaks to his own children, or even as he speaks to the unsaved. But even for ourselves, uh, it's, uh, the old nature takes hold, and sometimes it's easier to not work for the Lord. Uh, even when asked, the Lord asks of us, and he commands us to do certain things and behave in a certain way, and sometimes we do not even live in a manner pleasing to God. And sometimes it is that the world is loved, the business of the world and the pleasures of the world are loved over the things of God, even over the things of God. And this could even be Christians too. As we read in the book of Revelation, it talks about these seven churches, and there was one there called the, uh, uh, the Laodicean church, which was late lukewarm, eh? They didn't... Uh, they were really off the mark. Well, most of them were off the mark. Out of the seven churches, five of them were told to repent of some things. They loved the business of the world, the pleasures of the world, uh, more than what the Heavenly Father would ask them to do, uh, or more than working for Him. But on second thought, this one repents. Now, repentance is an important thing here. Repentance is something that we must take note of, and we'll talk about it a little more later. But repentance is something that goes along with, I believe it goes right along with, believe that I believe it, it's in the Bible, it goes right along with belief. The Lord Jesus, the first recorded message from him is repentant, believe the gospel. You can't accept Christ as your Savior if you first don't repent of your sins. It's one of the reasons we see these questionable ones in the Bible. In John chapter 8, for instance, that one that comes up, and uh, um, it says that they believed in Jesus. The Jews believed in Jesus. At the end of the chapter, they're throwing stones at him. I believe there was no repentance. That's what I think was taking place there. Okay, something's wrong. Okay, something's really wrong. But this one repented. And after much prodding from the Spirit of God, we may turn around and go and do that thing that we were asked to do. Uh, Matthew Henry said the only evidence of our former resistance is to comply and get to work. So we see what's taking place that the one says, uh, I'll not go, I'm not going. No, I can't do that. Well, however it was said, we don't know. But afterward, he repented. To repent is to change your mind, your attitude towards sin. When people get saved, we know that they must have an attitude change towards sin and an attitude towards God, faith towards God, repentance towards sin, faith towards God. Isn't that right? And go to verse 30. And he came to the second and said likewise. said the same thing, I want you to go work in my vineyard. And he answered and said, that I go, sir. He says, I will go. But notice he says, sir. He says, sir. So he recognizes the Father as somebody very important in his life. And of course, this is... Um, a, a parable to help people understand about when God asks certain things, he must be seen as, and some do recognize him as above them, or 
towards God or whatever, but doesn't go and do his work. Okay? The second one had full intentions to go, and even calling his father sir, but is sidetracked perhaps by some, I don't know, childish desire or worldly pleasure, or perhaps the child had some kind of a deceitful heart and was lying, I don't know. But saying and doing are two different things. Mm -hmm. Saying and doing are two different things. The publicans and harlots, he says, go into the kingdom before them. And that's another um, um, rabbit trail right there. When we think of the kingdom, there are those that teach the Bible and teach people that when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was presenting the kingdom, the physical kingdom, to the Jews, and they rejected him, so the kingdom's postponed to a later date. That's a lot of hogwash. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of nonsense, because right here it says that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom. If it was postponed to some time later, how are they going into it? Because my kingdom comes not with observ observation. He says that uh, the kingdom of God is within you. Colossians 1.13, he says, when you get saved and trust in Christ, you're translated, you're removed from the power of the devil and placed into the kingdom of his dear son. Okay. If you're saved, you're in the kingdom right now. Yes, Jesus will return at some time and, and he will set up his physical kingdom on earth. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. Okay, That's what he's talking about. Um, the public... And, Republicans and harlots, uh, the dregs of society, if you could say that. Harlots or prostitutes were at the bottom of the, uh, the bottom rung of the ladder in society, as it were. And the uh, uh, publicans were simply tax gatherers, okay? Tax gatherers. They were on the same level. The people disliked both of those groups of people tremendously especially the religious leaders of the day, okay? Uh, especially the religious leaders. Um, the publicans and harlots, the dregs of society, uh, here he says they're on a, better, a greater footing than the religious leaders of the day. And so it is today when we see the multitudes of religion, of so-called churches and such, and we heard... Uh, we heard a, a, a testimony about uh, one vision that they were seeing in this one place and they're all people are worshiping and all this stuff. That's a bunch of nonsense that falls into this category. The publicans, the tax gatherers and harlots are going into the kingdom ahead of these ones because the religious leaders are not teaching the Bible. They're not teaching Christ crucified and risen and salvation is in Christ alone. They're adding all kinds of things. They're adding their different books they're adding you got to listen to the church you've got to have this you've got to do this you've got to knock on doors you've got to work you got to do something that's not the gospel and that's not the bible and they're not serving god and that was the point about this he said Har harlots and publicans are going into the kingdom and you so-called religious leaders that are leading people the blind leading the blind and you're all going to hell jesus says because you refuse to see and you refuse to acknowledge who Jesus Christ is. He's the Lord. Not your precious doctrines, not your precious church, not your precious whatever you fill, the, fill in the blanks. It's Jesus Christ, Him or nothing. Amen? Amen. 
the religious leaders of the day as Jesus was talking to them, did not recognize God manifest in the flesh standing right before him, although he did all kinds of miracles. And these miracles were done, the end of John, is it chapter 21 or so? says that these things Jesus did that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might, uh, 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 I forget the rest of it. <laughs> the religious leaders of today, by and large, are in the same camp, leading people astray. If you're listening to this today, and you're in a church where they tell you something other than the way of salvation being Jesus Christ and faith in Him alone. You need to get out of there. And you need to get a Bible. And you need to start reading it and studying it and see that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And trust in Him. And put all that stuff behind because it's exactly what Jesus is telling these characters. They didn't understand and they didn't see who the Messiah was. Neither does much of the churches today all around us. They don't know who the Messiah is. They don't know who Christ is. Who told them to stand up? They know nothing of Christ. And they'll be cast into outer darkness. This is a form of godliness which is a tremendous tool of the devil to lead people astray. To lead people straight into hell. That's what's going on. That's what's going on there, and that's what's going on around us today. Jesus is trying to make these fellows see this thing that's taking place. So we see in verse 30, and he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. So let's uh, go down to verse 31. So he asks the, uh, the leaders, the religious leaders, whether of the twain, or whether of the two, did the will of his father. They say unto him the first. Now you see they're being judged out of their own mouths now. They're stepping right into it, aren't they? And Jesus saith unto them, Verily or truly I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. How did they get into the kingdom? For by grace are you saved through faith. And they were they were trying to put, uh, uh, push works upon the people and such. Now the first child, the tax gatherers, uh, uh, the first child says, I won't go, but then does. The tax gatherers and harlots live their lives in opposition to God. Absolute opposition to God but when the word of God came to them, they repented and they were changed. When John the Baptist brought that baptism of repentance, brought the word of God to them, announced to them who the Messiah was, and he saw Jesus come, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Though they had lived lives that were so far away from God and what God expects and what God commands, and yet when they were confronted with it, they turned. But the second child, that the religious leaders, like the second child, lives as if they were already right with God. And Jesus said to them at one time, he said, I came to save sinners, not the righteous. Talking to them, he says, you don't need me then. 
They had the idea that they were righteous and they wouldn't need any instructions at all, would they? That's the attitude that they had. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. See, John came to them, he wasn't wearing robes and fancy garments and he didn't have any, uh, you know, mitres and staffs and all this authority and such. He came wearing the very basic of clothes, but he was speaking the things of God, wasn't he? And righteousness and telling the people, you need to repent of your sins and be baptized. We're going to talk about that in just a minute here. And ye believed him not, but the publicans and harlots believed him. And, and ye, when ye had seen, repented not afterward, that ye might believe him. Look at the times he says ye. So many times through this uh, portion he says to them, they, and them, and ye, and you. So it's very clear. We want to just talk about John's baptism for a minute. And we have what's called in the, in the Bible says that uh, John's uh, baptism was a baptism of repentance. Now, uh, sometimes we think of that, and oftentimes we think of that as something completely different from what we do as a baptism and so on and so forth. But I want to just bring out a few things here. In John's baptism, repentance was declared, yes, okay? Um, John came in the, in the way of righteousness, not with an outward show, but an obedient life. His heart was right with God. Um, let's just go down this road of baptism for a minute and just look at a few things in case somebody had a, uh, uh, needed to have some uh, idea what the Bible says on. Everybody has some idea about baptism. They have even those that are in that state where they're on the wrong road, go on the wrong way, they have some form of baptism. In fact, in fact, there's many people that think that they use baptism, they've replaced the blood of Christ with the waters of baptism, whether it's pouring or immersion or whatever. Okay, uh, Let's just begin with the fact that God commands, includes baptism. God wants uh, people to be uh, baptized. He wants them to be saved and trust in Jesus Christ. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, etc., etc. So we can see that. But when should a person get baptized? That's the thing we have today in a lot of so-called churches. They have them baptized, thinking that they get saved in the water and all this stuff. But the Bible tells us after we've been saved, you must trust in Christ first, and this is what we call the first step of obedience. Afterwards, you must be baptized after you're saved. And the example for that is Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Philip says to the eunuch, the eunuch says, See, here's water. What uh, doth hinder me to be baptized? And what did Philip say to him? That he, that he could be baptized, but, he says, if you believe, only if you believe with your whole heart. If you believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart, the word all is used there. There'll be no doubts. There'll be no half-heartedness. You can be baptized as long as you, with your complete and whole heart, believe in Jesus Christ. And that's an amazing thing in itself right there. Uh, we used to have a track that said, Missing Heaven by 18 inches. And that's basically the distance from your, well, for some people, uh, from your head to your heart. <laughs> about a foot and a half or so. Um, you can have some knowledge of Christ, 
you know about Christ, you know things about Him and such, but that's not going to help. It's got to be from the heart that you know that you're a sinner, that you know that Jesus Christ went to the cross for you personally, individually. Never mind everybody else. Look at yourself. We all have sins. We all have to have our sins dealt with. Jesus Christ dealt with them at the cross. Will you accept Him? He died on that cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. Will you accept Him as your Savior? And when you do, you need to get baptized. We ask people, did you trust in Christ or something like that? Maybe leave it up to them, I guess. And It's a public statement that they make at that time. But when should we be baptized? After we get saved. And soon after. You don't leave it for a long time. You get, to, you get baptized uh, um, as soon as possible. I remember when I got saved, it was a, a month or two afterwards, I was bugging the pastor, said, you know what the Bible says, I, I have to be saved, I have to be baptized. And he uh, says, if you're not going to baptize me, and, and uh, my eldest son at the time, I says, I'm going to baptize him myself. <laughs> but so they got going, you don't put it off. You don't need to have a study course. You just go and you just do it, okay? Mm-hmm. And how should we be baptized? And there's a thing we see in Acts again. Um, in the original language, the word uh, baptize means to dip, to plunge under, to submerge. And there's no word in the original language, uh, that word for to pour or uh, uh, um, to sprinkle. It's not found in connection with baptism. The word is, word is never used at that. And furthermore, we see in, um, in Acts, it says they went down into the water, both of them, down into the water, and they came up out of the water. Now, how are you going to do that if you're going to pour it from a pitcher? It would be an awful big pitcher, wouldn't it? It's for them both to get into the thing. You see, it's ridiculous. You just follow what the Bible says. Never mind what people say. Um, but also, we must understand why should we be baptized? Because it's obedience to Christ's command. And we talk about it's the, it, it, uh, it shows a death, burial and a resurrection to newness of life but what really goes ahead before that it also shows your repentance yes you trusted in Christ but to trust in Christ with all your heart means you repented of your sins and turned from your sins and turned to God by faith turn to Christ so when John the Baptist had the baptism of repentance we could say that the baptizing that we have and do is really that as well the person is declaring, yes, I have repented. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, repent and believe the gospel. Sometimes people want to leave that word repent out and say, well, in, in the uh, gospel of John, for instance, the word believe is mentioned about 98 times. But it's understood that in other portions of Scripture, you, well, you've got to go to other portions of Scripture to get the full story in that. It's understood that with saving faith, with saving belief, you are to repent. See, that deals with your sins. Well, if you can put it that way, you know what I mean. Anyways, let's, let's go through this and finish this up. So we see that uh, to show, to declare your repentance from, uh, from your former life, and you've turned to Christ, that you're a different person, in the water and back up, you can only only immersion will will show that. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is a testimony to the world, and it is a um, it is a, a means of a means of blessing. 
So we see the Lord Jesus is speaking to these uh, religious leaders of the day. Just some things, we have to wrap it up here. Just some things for us to uh, consider. He's rebuking them. But as he's rebuking them, he's also instructing them. He didn't call them names and so on, and sometimes he did. Uh, here he's not. He's not sending them away. He's showing them their errors. And again, we've gone over this many times. We see this many times. He's instructing them as to their errors. Look, at, this is what you're doing, and it's just wrong. We have to be uh, um, ourselves, to be, uh, to be bold enough to speak out to people and say, look, at what you're doing is wrong. And it's hard sometimes. Today it's difficult it seems. We see John the Baptist and his reasons for baptizing. He was following the Lord. It's his baptism of repentance uh, to show your repentance, the people's repentance at that time. But nonetheless, for baptism today, that's in that thing as well. Because you believe in Jesus Christ and part of that, like I said, part of that is repentance, isn't it? And to note that the publicans, <clears throat> to note that the harlots, the lowest the lowest class, if you put it that way, of society, and you know what I mean when I say that, got saved. There's the grace of God right there, that it's by grace through faith. If these people that uh, uh, by our standards and such, and God's standards, these ones are, this is such obvious sins, they can be saved, anybody can. And we can see that it is grace, okay? Amen. Anybody can be saved if you would just simply turn to Christ. Now, only Matthew records this little portion right here that we're looking at today. This is part of the, the uh, uh, conversation about the authority. He was bringing that out and bringing this out after that. They were questioning his, his authority and such. It's meant to show the spiritual stupidity of the religious leaders who refused to say that John's baptism was of God, even though the lowly publicans and harlots knew the truth and accepted it. So we would just simply say, what about you today? What about you today? Do you accept Jesus Christ? Or is there something else that you have to have? Have you been taught something else, told something else? Take Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And we're going to stop right there. Then. Thanks for looking in. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Lord bless you and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye now.